I hope I'm suffering all day. Like, I want to put myself into the Hurt Locker and I want to stay there as long as I can. And just like, I want to be dust when I cross the line. I don't care what place I am, where I finish, you know, you just want to know that you left it all on the course. We have that moment where we go, do we keep pushing or do we back off? Because I can make this easier. I don't want to be that person. I want to make it hard as hell. Everybody, Emily Abadi here coming to you from Boston. <laughs> you are listening to episode 203 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. Now, if you've been following along, you know that I have been running around Boston for about a week now, and today is the Boston Marathon. This episode coming out on Monday, April 18th, and over the weekend on Saturday night, I had the awesome opportunity to sit down with 2018 Boston Marathon champion, veteran to hurdle, two-time Olympian, Boston legend, <laughs> Des Linden. I am so excited to appropriately put this episode into the feed today and so, so grateful to Des for her time. You want to talk to a woman who is in demand here in Boston <laughs> in the days leading up to the marathon and Des is it. Her schedule was jam-packed, but she was able to make some time to hang out with me and celebrate her new partnership with a partner and sponsor of the show, Inside Tracker. I'll talk to you all about Inside Tracker in just a little bit, but a huge thank you to that team for reconnecting Des and me. It was so fun to sit down with her and also our friends now at TB12 for hosting us. The facility is absolutely stunning. That feels like the biggest understatement of all time. The staff, super, super friendly. If you are in the Boston area, I cannot recommend it enough that you head on over there and check it out. But let me talk to you a little bit more about my conversation with Des. We talk about it all, not just what she is hoping to do today in Boston, but really getting into a lot about what makes Des, in my humble opinion, one of the goats when it comes to female distance running. Like I mentioned, Des is a two-time Olympian. She has done some really impressive things in her career, including landing the 50K world record, running that distance in two hours, 59 minutes, and 54 seconds, a casual 547 mile. We talk about what Des's why is. We also talk about how long she's going to keep at this, how she feels about the people that may have some kind of feeling about the fact that she should hang up her sneakers, so to speak. What's coming down the pipe for her in her new role with Brooks as their chief running advisor and a bunch of other goodness. If you're out in Boston today and you're listening to this in real time, I will be out there as well somewhere around Heartbreak Hill. So look for the hurdler hat and... 
Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. A huge thank you to all of the wonderful people that have made me feel so at home here in Boston over the past week. It has been an absolute blast getting to hang out with you, IRL. And all I've got to say is more of this, more in person, more togetherness. It feels really, really good. And with that, let's get to Des. Let's get to hurdling. Pretty good. They, uh, they took directions yeah, pretty well. Yeah, they're stepping it up. They're stepping it up. <laughs> this is, I, I feel honored because this is the third time that that Des has been on Hurdle. This will go live in the Hurdle feed on Monday morning. Oh, you nice. will be probably just getting up, <laughs> preparing to get to the start, and people will be listening to your angelic voice. Now, I want to tell you something about listening to your voice. For the last week, as, as someone does when they're preparing to like interview something, someone, I like listened to a handful of podcasts that you had been on outside of Hurdle. And I, I've probably listened to like three hours of Des this week. You ready for another hour? I, I'm so ready. <laughs> She's burnt out. She's I'm, play highlights. I'm not burnt out, but I will tell you that I woke up in the middle of the night the other night. And sometimes when I do that and I need to go back to sleep and like, the immediate backwards counting from 100 isn't doing me any service, I turn on a meditation. And so I'm like lying in bed. I'm like half awake. I'm going to turn on the meditation. And instead of Andy Pudicom speaking to me, all of a sudden, Des Linden starts coming out of my phone <laughs> at 3 a.m. And I was too lazy to change it to Andy Pudicom. There's a joke about being in bed together here that I'm not even going to touch. <laughs> Wow. So yes, here we here we're we are. Intimate. This is we're, yeah. We're here. We're here. Like I said, super grateful to be sitting down here today with Des just a few days before she toes the line for her ninth Boston Marathon. Number nine. Yep. Wow. Nine. Yeah. How's it feel? How are you feeling today? Really relaxed. I'm excited to be here. I keep thinking about the fall and the fall colors, which are great, but they just felt all wrong. You know, it's um, daffodils. We need the daffodils. We need spring weather. Uh, it feels like we're back on track in a great way. So I'm excited. Um, you know, I sometimes I miss like the unknown of the marathon. Like I feel like it's old hat at this point. But um, since we had that long break, I'm a little nervous, anxious, excited. A little nervous, anxious, excited. Yeah. Well, to kick us off here tonight, I thought it could be fun if we all together participate in some Des trivia. Does that sound good to you guys? Awesome. Okay, some Des trivia. So the first trivia, and then you can give the answer. Okay. So allow them to to try to figure out the answer, and then you can give I the answer. I think they're going to get it. but I, they, they might. Yeah. This seems like a knowledgeable group. Okay, when Des won the marathon in 2018, <laughs> she was the first American woman to win it in how many years? 33. Someone yelled it and then I echoed it. Yeah, I took your role. I'm sorry. (laughs) 33 years. First American woman to win it in 33 years. According to Outside Online, Des has collected around how many bottles of whiskey? Is it A, 18, B, 52, or C, 30? When is this interview from? (laughs) So... 
It's got to uh, be 52. It, you told him it was 30. So yeah. I'm, I mean, this is old news. It's old news. <laughs> Pre, maybe at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, exactly. it was 30. Yes. Okay. According to, I'm really digging into the interview archives here. According to Men's Journal, <laughs> sorry, Des's biggest food vice is it's okay. either A, French fries, B, donuts, or C, croissants. Does it's got to be donuts? It's donuts. Now, did we get it right? A, when you, you did get it right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when you when you choose a donut, yeah. What donut do you choose? The one that speaks to me on the day. It's really like what you need. But I like a very classic glazed, no BS donut. You know, like I'm with just, that. Anyway, I'm excited to be here with you. That's it for the trivia portion of, of this <laughs> podcast. I uh, just thought that would have fun, be a fun way for us to kick things off. Uh, I do have a serious question to to start us off here today yeah and I think I know how you're going to answer this but in a race you have the opportunity to either come in first place and not PR or last place and PR what do you choose win baby win win see okay every time so definitely relevant to you in your journey because arguably becoming the 2018 Boston Marathon champion was a big deal for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bit. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> but I feel as though I told you I listened to like three, four hours of Des Linden talking this week. And it seems to me and what I appreciate about you is that you are so dialed in to your journey. You are so dialed in to going after your own potential and finding your own happy. Mm -hmm. See what I did there mm -hmm. with the Brooks kind of reference? What I, what, it interests me that that was your answer because I didn't know which way you were going to go with that. Yeah, no, I, when you, pre like, when you put it that way, PRs make all the sense in the world. But I think there's so much time to explore our personal best and push ourselves in that way. And uh, we just changed the mark like okay now I'm 40 or like now I'm trying ultras or whatever it may be but competition I think at the highest level is just so temporary and for me it's like okay we're on the clock I want to find out how I match up against these people um, while I'm at my best and then we can pivot and I can chase personal bests or personal challenges um, and there's always going to be time for that so that's more motivating to me I'm also aware that I'm not the fastest. So like if you took me to London, I could probably run fast-ish, but the front would be like, oh, see ya. Um, on Boston, New York, Atlanta trials, something like that, uh, I think there's a level of I can be the smartest. Um, I can run within myself, but then be competitive and so on. So I love those challenges. Um, and that's why I would take a win for, for now. That will shift. For now, that'll shift. Well, I mean, speaking of challenges, the 50K challenge, mm -hmm. amazing, amazing performance by you with the smashing the 50K <laughs> world record time with a 2.59.54. For those following along here, that's a 5.47 mile pace. That's a pivot, and that's a really exciting new challenge that you undertook. So talk to us a little bit about the why behind making that decision and how you see a challenge like that kind of falling in line with where you're going. Yeah, I mean, that was sort of forced on us as races were pulled off the schedule. So it was something I've always wanted to do, and I think ultras are hanging out there and dangling in the future as a carrot. But um, 
we jumped into them a little bit earlier than anticipated just because marathons were off the table. And so did anybody follow Destober? Yeah, so it was this calendar club. Thank you for following. I had a ton of fun. Um, it's a calendar club, and you do the mileage of the day of the month. So October 1st, one mile. October 20th, 20 miles. Um, sounds super simple until you get to, like, the last week and a half, and then it's a horrible idea, and you're <laughs> sad you put it out to the public because you have to finish. So I did that, and I was like, oh, I'm actually incredible, incredibly durable, which I knew, but not in the context of that last, like, 140-some-odd, 50-some-odd week. And so we use that just as a big block of base work to get really strong, see if I'm durable, and then races still weren't on the calendar. So we said, let's create our own thing and try something totally different. And like I said, marathons have kind of felt a little stale where you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen. When we did the 50K, it was like after 26.2 miles, I have no idea what's going to happen. And I love that like unknown. Let's see what let's see what happens out there. If it's fun, if I fail, and then I'm going to want to try it again, um, or if I'm really good at this, and maybe there's a future in the longer distances for me. Uh, before that, going for that distance, uh, in any of your marathon buildups, would you ever run farther than the marathon with like different interval training or anything like that? Oh God, no. <laughs> no, I, I, there's some crazy, yeah, there's some crazy yeah. people out there. No, I go, I would go up to 20 miles and, 20 then, miles. and then you spend the last couple of weeks and you're like, I hope I can make it to the end. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to me also, you kind of talking about like learning about your resilience a little bit, because I believe that you self-describe yourself as someone that's really hardworking. Um, I would argue that resilience and hardworking kind of go hand in hand, willing to put in all those miles, really spend a lot of time on your feet. But I also know that you don't particularly think of yourself as like the fastest horse in the barn. I would beg to differ. Why do you <laughs> feel that way? It's what keeps me working hard. It's just that thing where you're like, I'm the underdog and I'll always be the underdog and it doesn't matter what I accomplish. Someone's going to say, here's why it doesn't matter or here's why it's not worthy or whatever, you know, and, and to me, that's the thing that keeps me honest and working hard. And I sort of like that. I like surprising people and being like, you can throw a million reasons at why I can't do something and I'm going to just be at home working and showing you why I can. So have fun managing the results in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's also interesting to me as well. Like this idea of I'm going to keep surprising people because I don't know how many times I need to hear Des Linden tell the world that she doesn't care about <laughs> what other people think. But it seems as though you're still excited to do that. You're still excited to surprise people. When you're as good at what you do as you are, there are going to be people that doubt you and that have things to say about you. So what would your advice be perhaps to someone who doesn't feel as though they're as good at being like, I don't give a what anybody else thinks, right? Because it's not easy. And I, I mean, I certainly, certainly struggle with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to listen to where that voice is coming from. And when you're getting feedback, understand what that person is trying to tell you. Is it constructive or is it just criticism? Is it coming from a place of love? Like this is advice I want, I think that you can use to help you get better. Um, improve, like you're making bad decisions, who's it coming from and what are their intentions? Because most of the time it's from people we don't know and they're, we don't even understand their intentions, but you look at the criticism and you're like, that's just someone 
projecting or having a bad day or like it, it's not rooted in construct and constructive criticism. So it, it's like if it doesn't help you move forward or change your actions in a positive way, maybe just ignore it. Maybe just push it aside and then really tune into the people who have good intentions. I also think that articulating your why can be really helpful when it comes to staying the course and not let, you know, perhaps the negative opinions or the opinions that aren't making you feel super stellar in your own journey uh, really infiltrate your mindset. For you, when it comes to running these days, what would you say is your why? Why does Des Linden keep showing up? <laughs> That's a great question because it's something I've been asking myself a lot. Like, I have every reason to hang them up and walk them away, like walk away. I feel like so content with my career. I don't feel like I have too much to prove. Like, it's again, it's like from people being like, well, maybe your career wasn't that special. I'm like, actually, it was pretty special. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty good with it. So it's a thing I've been wrestling with a lot lately. And for a good stretch, it was like, I don't really have one. And then the 50K was kind of fun. Like, I actually am just enjoying this. And then coming back here this year, I, I said it at a thing earlier, and it's just like, I just want to prove that I'm not dead yet. There's still a little bit more, and I know there are people going like, all right, future's here, like next person, line them up. I think it's a mistake for people to underestimate me, whether it's in this marathon or the next one. There's stuff in my work, there's workouts, and there's a feeling in my stride and in my run that tells me there's some really great running left. It's just finding the right day. So I think that'll be really fun to have that day and then just kind of have the smile where you're like, yeah, no, not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of people can relate to that idea, right? Of that why, that feeling of like, it just feels right in my soul. Do you remember, and you know, I would assume that this was, it's, it's been a minute, but maybe the first time or the first race that you walked away and you were like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is what's up. <laughs> I don't, I, I couldn't pinpoint it, to be honest. I mean, I felt like I took to distance running pretty naturally as a kid. Um, and then I struggled in college. And, you know, as a pro, I think it's been mo like brief moments when you're out having a day and it's like, oh yeah, like I'm actually adapting to training. I'm pretty good at this. Um, but I think there's just moments where you're out in a regular run, it's pretty unspectacular and you get in this rhythm and I think everyone has a moment where they get in the zone and they're just feel like fluid and you're like, I'm meant to do this. Like I'm actually built for this. And uh, so I couldn't tell you the day, but I'm sure it was on some unspectacular run that turned into like a Zen moment where like, oh, this is where I belong. When you said <laughs> you struggled in college, what did that struggle look like for you? I think it was balancing life as a college student at Arizona State. Infer that. Infer from that what you will. Yeah, exactly. And being a runner um, on a really good Division One team. And, you know, like, how do you commit to that? I mean, we were practicing at 5.50 in the morning. And we're like, Coach, can we please go at 5.30? It's so hot. This is miserable. He's like, not, I'm not waking up any earlier. Like, you can do it on your own. And you're like, I might do that. Um, so you're doing that, which is a high level of dedication. We're taking naps when normal people are getting up to start their day. Um, having already run 10, 12 miles or whatever it was. And then you have like being a student and 
like I got two degrees and I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And, um, you know, it's that. And then there's the social aspect as well. So it's balancing all these things and you're not a professional runner. You're a student athlete. So for me, I think I struggled as an athlete and I don't think that was the wrong thing. I think I was a really great student athlete. Right. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would think also that, or I know that that wasn't the only time that you've struggled in your, what then became professional career as a runner. Uh, so many of us, whether we are recreational everyday runners, myself, or pro athletes like yourself, definitely go through extreme hurdles mm. along their journey <laughs> in sport. Talk to me a little bit about the hurdles that you've encountered. Specific, let's go with injury. Because mm -hmm. I know, having spoken with you before, that some of them definitely came at uh, the least desirable <laughs> times. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that's like the guarantee if you're in running and you're pushing yourself. Like at some point, you're going to go past the threshold and be injured and then you're going to look back and be like, man, I should have done, I should have seen the signs, this, this and that. Um, but it's like, it's usually when you're running your best and you're like, I can push a little harder. I can do one more mile. I can go a little bit faster. And that was my um, kind of scenario situation. So 2011 finished second Boston marathon by two seconds. Like, all right, let's go. I'm good at this. I'm like, I've proved to myself mentally that I can compete with the best in the world. Um, next thing on deck is the Olympic trials make my first Olympic team. That's awesome. That is like what you dream of as a little kid. I want to go to the Olympics. I'm on the perfect trajectory. I just proved I can compete with anyone. Medals, like that's what we think, right? I want to be on the podium. I think I can win a medal. I've just, I have all the data to back it up. And I'm out training and doing the thing, getting ready for London. Um, couple weeks out, feel a sharp pain in my right quad and like oh it's tendonitis like you'll be okay I know how to deal with tendonitis I'm pretty tough like okay I, I'm gonna try to keep going on ultra G so on and so forth um and it just never turned a corner and so I went to the London Olympics uh I've run I don't know how many marathons probably close to 20 and I only have one DNF and that was at the Olympic Games so stepped off a few miles into the course and I found out later that it was a, a fracture in my femur and a pretty large fracture that um you know, set me back a long time. And then you're faced with, do I do this for four more years? Do I want to be a runner? Is my why strong enough? Um, and so it threw a lot of questions at me. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that headspace? Because I know, obviously, encountering injury, you do battle with that why. And then as a result, you also battle with a lot of questions about your identity. Right now, when you ask yourself, who is Des Linden? What would you say your identity is the most rooted in at this moment? Dog lover. <laughs> For sure. Wow. That was an unexpected yeah. but excellent, excellent answer. I, I thought that maybe, maybe we would go like with something about the 52 whiskeys that you indulge in or coffee connoisseur. Yeah. Dog lover. Love to throw a good uh, curveball at you. <laughs> if you took out the word two-time Olympian tomorrow from your Instagram bio, do you have any feelings that stir in your heart about that? I was like, well, Boston champ would still be on there, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, um, that's a great question. I don't know. I, I think, man, if there was like a blank slate and it was like, well, you, you're 38 and you don't have anything on there, it would be pretty sad. Um, if there were things that like I was doing in the meantime that were like at that level, um, I think I would be content. So it's to me, it's like what I, what would I have done in that time? And I think there's things that um, if running were taken away from me tomorrow, I could fill up my time and feel really comfortable with my life and how I spend my time. I think the bigger question becomes who is Des? Like Doug Love. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're, this is, this is great. I, what I mean, and what I mean by that question is like, who do you want to be? Like at your core, when you think about your values and the kind of person that you want to be, the kind of wife that you want to be, the kind of friend, the kind of, in some circumstances, teammate, motivational human as you are, uh, even though maybe you wouldn't step and say like, that's my identity. I'm a motivational <laughs> human, but who is Des? Like, what are the qualities about yourself that you are the most proud of? I think I'm incredibly curious, which sounds kind of silly, but I think like whatever I am interested in at the moment, I will be very curious about it and dig in and try to understand it and explore it and challenge it. Um, so I think I'm always trying to figure things out and solve them. And I think that that applies to most parts of my life, except for my relationship. I'm not trying to solve anything that we're good. <laughs> You're good there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your husband's <laughs> happy to hear that. Uh, speaking of curiosity, uh, a big thing I'm sure you're curious and excited to dive into would be your new role as the chief running advisor at yeah. Brooks. Talk to us a little bit about how that came to fruition and what about it perhaps you're most curious about. Oh, it's so exciting. And honestly, um, all the credit to Brooks and my agent, Josh Cox, for, again, thinking outside the box. And I think that we've had so many great conversations, like, how do we fill time in the pandemic? What can we do to engage the community? Um, what's exciting? Like, So that's already the conversation. And then as we were redoing athlete contract, it was like, well, what's next? You know, And, and how can we prepare Des for that? So hats off to Brooks for even mentioning that and for Josh being creative to come up with you know, this kind of next phase that I don't have to jump into immediately, but we're working on and we're building. And so that's super exciting. Um, and it's, it has a couple bullet points of this is what you're doing in the role, but it's also very broad. And I love all these different things about the sport. And like I said, I'm super curious, like, how can we make events better? Like I have this pitch, like, okay, guys, it's going to be New Year's Eve, Seattle, crit style racing. We're running through Pike's Market. Kids are going first, the adults are going second, the pros are going late, and then we're popping bottles at midnight. Like, whole day, everyone's gonna be there, right? <laughs> you guys are signed up, see? Like, how can we make f events fun, engaging? How can we connect community with pros? And so there's all these things on that side, um, you know, and, and then inspiring coaches program that Brooks already has, it's one of my favorite things. I'm gonna be able to kind of get my hands on that a little bit and see what it's all about. Um, so I, I love that it's like, really broad right now and when I find the things that I'm the most passionate about I'm like oh that's mine that's mine uh, it's like a little buffet at the moment real talk yeah that was real uh, <laughs> a little bit more okay Ooh. when you announced that did you get any pushback from people saying what you kind of alluded to before 
which was that some individuals may feel as though it's time for you to tie your laces together and throw your shoes over a telephone line. Yeah. Yeah. So is this a retirement announcement, sort of? Got a lot of questions about that. It's not. How did that make you feel? Um, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, particularly with the big race coming up. It's <laughs> like, read, read the news, yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, eventually it's going to happen. That's 100%. So I, I get it. I understand it. And I, my fall last year was really tough. I think this particular race this spring is going to be shy of my best stuff. And I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that I still have some great running. And there's, it's possible that I don't. But um, my body says otherwise certain days so you know you don't have to see that you can think whatever you want that doesn't mean i'm going to stop trying to achieve those high end goals taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data. And they are determined to transform your body's data into true knowledge, meaningful insights, and customized action plans of science-backed nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle recommendations. By using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you, and then offers you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. When I was feeling a little bit sluggish in my marathon training last year, I was pumped to first try Inside Tracker. With a quick mobile blood draw and DNA swab, along with info from my wearables, I was able to receive detailed results that revealed that I had lower levels of iron and ferritin. And those results, they also came with recommendations on some holistic modifications to help better go after my goals. Of course, Inside Tracker is offering hurdlers an amazing discount special this week. If you head on over to insidetracker.com slash hurdle, you can get 26% off today. Again, that is insidetracker.com slash hurdle. Use the code hurdle26 to get 26% off the entire Inside Tracker store today. Something else that I love about your career was the time that you purposefully kind of took a step back from running. And it's something that isn't talked about enough. And during that time, what you told me for Hurdle was that you were seeking to find the joy in your sport again. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this both live and in the feed who feel as though they have wavered with their relationship with running at one point or another because of the hurdles that they've been navigating. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that time period was like for you and when it felt right for you to really get back in just before <laughs> that really special time in your career? Yeah, I mean, they were, I've done this twice, truthfully, to, and it was really necessary. Once was um, forced by injury. So I took a training stint in Kenya, which is kind of off the grid. It's sort of frowned upon like, hey, there's a lot of doping in Kenya, but um, got some really good advice from folks that I know are, that are over there and got a, had a great setup. And I was like, I'm going to go somewhere else in the world and just try and experience running in a different way and be around a totally different culture and learn about it. And, you know, you go out there for your regular run on a Wednesday and there's a fartlek going on with like, you know, 300 
Kenyans and most of them are never going to make it. You're not going to see them on the Boston start line, but they start and they go for as long as they can. And a lot of them don't finish, but they stop and then they walk home and then they try again the next day. Right. And that was cool. I was like, oh, they're going to do this, like whether they make it or not, it's just part of their lifestyle. That's awesome. Um, you go out and run on the trails and there's this tiny, they're just tiny little kids and they love the tourists. It's Mazungos, the white people. And they're like, how are you? How are you? How are you? And they want to touch you. They want to touch you. They want to run with you and they can run with you for way too long. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to drop you. Like you're six, and like dang. Um, Saw some of those out there today on the 5K course. Totally, exactly. And you're like, they like, they love it. It's like I'm gonna go run with the tour, like the tourists here in town. And um, so that was super refreshing. And then I came back, and you know, it's like, okay, I feel like I'm. That and truthfully, this was super late in my career, but I feel like that's when I learned to love running. Like, I always liked competing. I liked that. But if you told me, like, go out and do a regular run, I'm like, that's kind of boring. <laughs> like, what year know. was that? <laughs> um, 2014. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've been out there for a while. Um, and so that was one way I feel like I was like, okay, I've kind of refound this, well, dug into loving the process of running. And then in 2017, I was very fed up with the competition side of it and just felt like I was banging my head against the wall. Um, and when I, decided to run professionally my high school coach from back in the days super basic advice but he's like yeah you should do that as long as you're having fun you know like if you can make a living from it and you're having fun go for it like that's a great thing to try and then you don't have to worry later when you're older like what if what if so you know but it's single line in there as long as you're having fun and in 2017 it wasn't fun it was like forced work it felt like I had a contract and I was like, like it was way too long to count backwards. It was being being at mile seven going like, man, the finish is pretty far away. I got a marathon to do. Um, so it just felt like work every day. And um, fortunately, you know, Brooks has been super good to me and they're very understanding. It's like, you can take a break. That's okay. Um, so I did. And, you know, I was like, when I miss running I'll start up again and if I don't then you just call it in and say hey I'm like I'm hanging them up that's fine this isn't fun anymore and there are other things that I can be doing with my life and I can start getting a new Instagram bio a new Instagram bio yeah. so do you remember when it started to feel good again um you know it's a lot like we were talking about earlier it was pretty unspectacular days where you're like oh I'm actually pretty good at this like this feels effortless and like you look at your wrist and go that shouldn't <laughs> um and so it was these minor workouts where you're like yeah no I, I think that I should still be doing this there's more that I want to do um and it, it wasn't like one day one moment it was little hints of it here and there uh, but it took a, I want a, a, the timeline has changed from a number of different people but I want to say like really when I got in the right headspace was probably like three months later okay and I mean, if you're following the timeline here, this happened in 2017, and then we know what happens in the spring of 2018. So it's just such a beautiful moment of talking about and acknowledging the hard work and sticking it out through those really tough times. I would imagine, aside from the fact that maybe running didn't feel the same, that you were probably struggling a little bit mentally during that time, like not only with the identity piece as we were talking about, but just like feeling frustrated about the fact that like this thing that you loved didn't feel the same. And 
where were you seeking joy during that time? Because for me, when I can't run, I'm like, shoot, I really got to like reanalyze everything in my life and like find some other sources of happiness. <laughs> so for you during that time, like where were you finding your happiness? Oh, I don't have that problem at all. Like my downtime, I'm like, oh, can I two more weeks? My coach is like, no, let's go. Um, I mean, it, it was actually quite nice to just stay put at home for a bit because I you're traveling to races, you're doing events, you're doing engagements. Um, and so it was time that I got to stay home. I got to go fishing more often and like paddling a kayak, play with the dogs. Um, I became a dog lover at that time. Um, so yeah, I was just digging into things that I don't normally get to do. And, and even like staying up a little later, having one extra beer, like, okay, this like, I feel like I got a little taste of like what normal people do. <laughs> and it was good. And then you're like, okay, this is actually just normal. I want to do the other thing. So when it felt normal, I was like, okay, maybe I shift. To pivot a little bit, I know that how you fuel your body, obviously, as an elite athlete, super, super critical. Can we talk about, aside from beer, <laughs> what Des Linden is kind of consuming in a regular day? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Inside Tracker Partnership because I feel like I'm going to learn so much that I'm doing wrong because I know I'm doing most of the stuff wrong. I don't, I mean, I'm not a calorie counter. I'm not a person who has a rigid diet. Like we put stuff, we try to put stuff in the fridge that's healthy. And then you get up and you're like, these are my options and they're all healthy. And it's, you know, it's whole foods and not bags and boxes. But honestly, the bags and the boxes are just so easy. Yeah. You know, like, so in the morning it's like toast and some coffee and maybe a banana or something like that. And then I graze throughout the day. Um, I've always said uh, my favorite meal is ingredients. I just like, I just like eat the ingredients. Like I can't put them all together. That takes too long. <laughs> so that's kind of what I do throughout the day. And, um, but I, I think you start like, when you really break it down, you're like, I eat bread, cheese, chicken, some lettuce, tomatoes, that's salsa. Uh, <laughs> that's it, you know? And then you get to the evening and you're like, let's have some sort of red meat. <laughs> so and there we go. Yeah. That's the day in the life of Dez's diet. <laughs> <laughs> that and glazed donuts. Yeah, yeah. Th those are rare. You know, I'm, I'm not a earn them, but usually like you're running a ton and you're like, man, I like I don't know why I'm craving donuts. Like, well, I know why you're craving donuts because you run 120 miles this week. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's nothing to shy away from. So for you then on the road so much, I'm in Boston for a week. How long are you in town for? About a week. OK, yeah. That's really when I would say a lot of people here are like nodding their heads. They're like, that's really when trying to stay smart about your diet, especially for you leading up to a big effort can be a little bit difficult. So how do you navigate being on the road when it comes to trying to put good things into your body? Yeah, I wish I could say I'm a planner. I think for, this is again, terrible. The, the biggest mistake that I think a lot of elites make is not getting enough. It's not like you're getting enough of the right things. It's like if you're not getting enough at all. And so I would rather eat the wrong thing and just grab it and be like, hey, I know I traveled all day. My flight was delayed. I'm at the airport. I'm getting the sandwich and the bag of the chips because I need something. And these aren't that bad. And I'm hungry and the chips sound really good. 
um, and they're better than not enough calories for the day. So that to me is kind of the thing on the road is like, yes, plan ahead if you can, like have a game plan where you want to go. What are you thinking you're going to try and eat? But if all of it falls apart, you can't, you have to be flexible too and go, you know what, I just need something and I have to grab what's available and that looks good. Right. And I feel as though sometimes that's just choosing the lesser evil, so to speak, right? Like if in your head, you know what the options are, if you can try to make smarter choices on the move, then that's the best thing that you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to planning, another thing to plan to the best of your ability is trying to think about or visualize how you're going to feel during an effort. Now, when it comes to visualizing, let's bring it specifically to the Boston Marathon. We reference your ninth time running this race. You've had so many different finishes here. When you think about what success looks like for Des Linden, do you think about 2018? Do you think about the sprint from 2011? Where does your mind go? It's definitely shifted. You know, for so many years, it was picturing 2011 and getting that kick right. You know, it's just fixing two seconds of the race. But this year, it's knowing where I'm at and running there to the best of my ability. Not trying to compete where I want to be, but run where I'm at and maximize that fitness. And I think that is going to allow me to surprise some people because there will be people that go, no, I'm going to do whatever the front does. And it's not even in their wheelhouse. Like, I, I can't be that person, but I can beat a lot of those people. Now that the times are so fast, right, for marathoning, if you go out in a race and you're not in, quote unquote, the right pace, I use right in loose air <laughs> quotes, but you're not in that right pace, what do you do to maybe get out of that self-comparison mode and meet yourself where you're at? I, I mean, I hope I have an answer for that on Monday. <laughs> I hope that you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's it. I mean, the front's going to be insane on Monday. So I, I just like really very practically, I think that they're going to go so fast. I'm going to have to make that decision. But I mean, again, it's just being very present and practical. Like, what am I ready for? This is it's the whole you versus you or me versus me. Like I'm only battling myself out here. Um, these things that I can pick up along the way are really just like carrots that help me draw more out of myself. Thank you competitors for helping me get the best out of myself. And I mean, that's all I can do out there. I love that. And to go back to that 2011 race for just a moment, obviously a really tough hurdle moment for you. I mean, I cannot even fathom what that must've felt like in that moment picking yourself up from that. I think a lot of us can learn a lot about perhaps what you've learned in retrospect. And maybe even if you could tell us a little bit about what happened and maybe now reflecting on that hurdle moment, what you have taken from it. Yeah, I think what was interesting was the rest of the world was like, this was amazing, like such a breakthrough race. And for me, I visualized winning that race so many times you know, when I saw Caroline Kalel break the tape, that was the first time I hadn't been the Boston Marathon champion in like six months. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to win today. Like, um, so that it was really, it was heartbreaking for me. And um, the good thing about it was that was such, it was still a breakthrough. And I had to remind myself of that. Like you were here and 
you believed you were here, but you still have to get it on the page. So you validated, you know, that training and it, you know, it was a huge step forward for you. So celebrate that. Um, and then mentally knowing that I could compete with the best in the world, just that self-belief was warranted and should remain. And, and that was something that was going to be super valuable for going forward. So I think for me, it's like l allow yourself to be devastated for 48 hours and that's totally fine. And sometimes it leaks in a little bit longer, but then you just have to take all the lessons away from it, the good things. And we tend to learn the most from our failures and our shortcomings. And it's like, oh yeah, that's where the lessons are if you pay attention instead of just be disappointed and upset. So 48 hours and then I also feel like it's kind of what you said about running your own race. Like you have to process your own grief in your own way. That's not to say that I would encourage someone to linger in the malaise of a disappointment for months and months on end. But yes, it's great advice that does is saying like take 48 hours. But if you need a week, take the week, like do what you need to do to process so that you can move forward and learn those lessons and, and properly like move forward because if you just like fast forward instead <laughs> of like thinking about how that made you feel then you'll regret that in the long term <laughs> that's true I'm sure a therapist would be like come on Des my sister is a therapist so I these are things I hear all the time <laughs> okay so what excites Des right now outside of what's going on here in Boston like where are you at what's amping what what are you amped about um, the new Brooks role, which we've talked about is, I, I mean, that's like top of the list for me. I'm super pumped about that. Um, I do have a vacation coming up, so that's exciting. Where are we going? <laughs> uh, Italy. So oh. 10 days in Italy. That'll be fun. Um, but I'm, I finished the last three weeks of this segment more optimistic than I've been in probably, well, a year. I mean, I thought the 50K was great. I felt really good. I was very excited about getting back into, into races and then um, had this kind of injury thing that I've been dealing with. So the last couple of weeks of this segment, I feel like I'm moving like myself again. And so I don't know if it'll show on Monday. I don't really care because I'm, I'm optimistic that it will show again. So I'm excited about that. Excited about that. Yeah. And if you, when you think about Monday and you visualize Monday, uh, how would you describe that you hope to feel? Oh, it's funny you're asking the question. I was like, I hope I'm suffering all day. Like, <laughs> I want to put myself into the Hurt Locker and I want to stay there as long as I can. And just like, I want to be dust when I cross the line. I don't care what place I am, where I finish. You know, you just want to know that you left it all on the course. I'm looking for words like valiant, triumphant. <laughs> Des is like miserable. Let's go. We, look, we all know what we signed up for, right? Like, it's going to get hard. And that's what we wanted. And we have that moment where we go, do we keep pushing or do we back off? Because I can make this easier. I don't want to be that person. I want to make it hard as hell. Hard as hell. We love that. We love that. We talked about identity a lot today. And a word that can go hand in hand with identity is legacy. When you think about the legacy that Des Linden is leaving as an athlete, don't come to me with dog lover, Des. As an athlete, what do you think about? What comes to mind? 
I'm laughing because I, I just despise the word legacy. <laughs> I think legacy is like, what do you want other people to think about you? And I don't know if you know this, Emily, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> I just, I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing things to like be remembered or, you know, any of those things. I'm just doing them because I'm authentically curious and interested in, um, you know, I think if people want to dig into that topic and pick something for me, that's fine. <laughs> your, your choice. <laughs> Dog lover. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity to do this again. I know that personally, this episode's coming to the Hurdle feed on Monday. So as it happens, it'll be kind of a wild card of what we're listening to versus what they're seeing live <laughs> and in the days after that. If you could tell me what your best race on Monday looks like, what's your best race on Monday look like? I'm competing all day and I'm absolutely fried when I cross the line. You know, you go, when did you, what, what would you change about your race? And I say, absolutely nothing. Would I, I like that. to be faster? Yes, but this was my best. This is it. All right. So the word you used there was fried. Mm -hmm. To finish us off here, I want to ask you a two-part question. The okay. first part of this question, you right now can choose one word that sits with you for the rest of 2022. Uh, I'll give you a second to think about that and I'll share my word with you. My word for the rest of 2022 is bigger. I want to think bigger. I want to make bigger goals. I probably want to step into maybe uh, some of the hard work that I've laid down uh, and just like show up in a bigger way. When you think about what your word is, what is it? I love your word. That's great. Thank you. Um, mine's not going to be as fun, but nails. And I'm not talking about fingernails. I'm talking about you hammer away and you put them in the wood, those nails, because I just want to be tough as nails every day. And I think that that, you know, is going to be on the course. I want to be fried at the end. Um, I want to get out on days where I don't want to just because, you know what, I'm going to be tough as nails today. I know about everything saying stay home or don't, um, but I want to make the tough decision. And sometimes what people forget is that it's not just about being like, like tough, hard, but sometimes making the tough decision is knowing when to back off and relax. And that's hard too. So I want to do hard things. And I just like circle that as like nails. Nails. <laughs> it's January 1st, 2023. You have gone balls to the wall yeah. with nails. Yeah. Okay. What is something that's happened in your idyllic 2022 that is an example of that? This is all hypothetical. Yeah, no, I, no. I know you're on the same page. Of okay. course, I'm going to sure. win something. Um, I mean, I think that I see improvement in in different aspects of my life. But obviously, this is so running centric. Like, if I can make a step forward from where I'm at on Monday and in the fall have a better performance, then that's a success. And, you know, I want to take that tenacity and energy to CRA and um, all the different things that I'm involved in that uh, some of them I can't talk about. 
<laughs> under embargo yes, for now. Exactly. Well, Des, I'm so grateful for you. I think the the room here can say the same. We will all be cheering you on, not just on Monday, but as you step into nailing away at the rest of this year <laughs> and whatever else is to come. So you know how it goes on the show. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Love you.